There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Susanna Constantine and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast about clothes that often goes AWOL with very interesting results. This is our 23rd Zoom episode, recorded in September 2020. 23rd? Where are all the others, I hear you ask? Go to our website, mywardmal.com, to find them. You can also see our pyjama party and join us by emailing your own clothing stories to help at mywardmal.com. Finally, please do subscribe, rate and review and follow us on the usual socials at MyWardMal. All right, on to today's special guest, superstar historian, creator of History Hit TV and host of the History Hit podcast, Dan Snow. Dan has done more than 500 podcasts, so he knows a little thing or two about this medium and has interviewed some extraordinary guests. But what did he have to say about his own history in clothes? Let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. So today, and I can't quite believe this, I'm with historian and, I would say superstar historian, actually, Dan, and um, initiator of History Hits, the History TV channel, which I think is amazing. And why did you say yes to doing this, Dan? Can I, I said, ask you? I said yes to doing this because, do you know what? I, I, I'm a big admirer of yours, obviously. And I'm also I'm kind, of, kind of keen to explore fashion and what I wear because the older I get, you know what? I think as I'm losing my youthful, the body and the face that came came with the package, right? Yeah. As yeah. I'm losing that, I'm more aware now of what I need to put on myself and around myself uh, and, and kind of building that identity was I think my identity in the old days used to just be like young, healthy person. And, yeah. and, and I was lucky. I was, I was, I guess I was lucky. So, and now that's kind of going. And so I'm kind of really interested now in fashion and, and I just being more thoughtful about it. That, that is so interesting. And, as a woman who's kind of, you know, been involved in the um, business of helping women and some men self-esteem through clothes, I've never thought of that. I've never thought that. And that's exactly, although I'm a lot older than you, it's exactly what I've been going through. You can't rely on genes or the fact that you run 10K because that doesn't have an impact anymore. And so you do, and I've been doing the same. You have to reevaluate, and you have to rely more on clothes. Exactly, and so I, I went through this very odd. I'll never, I'll actually never forget it. I went through this. It was like a six month period when I was fifteen, and I woke up. I went from being this skinny, weird, giraffe like, prepubescent, like like friends, school friends. I, I like everyone used to joke about how like ugly and weird I was. <laughs> 
school friends. Yeah, great friends. Anyway, and uh, <laughs> school people, associated people at school. And then in the space of six months, I kind of had this, tra- my body just transformed. And I remember every night, in, I didn't have a mirror in my room, but I looked at the, the, the double glazing on my window and I saw this guy with a six pack. And I was like, who is that? What is happening here? And it was the most exciting transformation I've ever obviously experienced. And it's one that changed my entire life. I, I went from being a total loser to being on the first 15 rugby in like in, in the space of a year, you know, and, and then I got all these new friends and, and, and from, for, for 20 years from that point, all I had to do was put a pair of jeans on and a t-shirt and, and I, I, I kind of, I look good. Like I didn't look fashionable, but I look good because I yeah. just had this, this, it was all good. Now that's not true anymore. And so I'm kind of, I, yeah, I'm coming to terms with that. Yeah. Well, it's like, you've, so you've always had the, you know, you've, you've had the framework and now you've got to rely on the upholstery. But it's interesting that you say that, do you, I mean, so do you think you, you have more friends because of the way you look? Do you think you gained yeah, more friends? Yeah, I, I did. No, I'm that. afraid to say. I think it could probably be my own confidence. Yeah. I, I, I had a, I, it was a transformative period in, in, in my, yeah, because I, 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 yeah, I became, I became, you know, I think, yeah, I think teenagers are, and goodness me, I'm sure now times a million, but you know, when I was growing up that we were, we were, we were, we were drawn to, to physical beauty, weren't we? And we were, and we yeah. were kind of scared a little bit by, you know, think by, by, ugly, by ugliness. And we were all terrified about our skin and our, and, yeah. and we felt we felt that like what was going on on our, our surface was was a reflection of our inner being, which you take you then yeah. spent twenty years unlearning that, and and so I, I did have to say it was, but I maybe because I became so much more confident because I was like, oh my god, this is I sort of now feel like the person I thought I was inside, and now other people are yeah. going, oh you know, let's you know you're a confident, big, tall strong young man and yeah yeah so I do I have to feel I do think my social transformation was connected with my physical growing and transformation yeah Yeah. so for you it was like you felt really confident about your body and so you just threw anything on it and you felt your body your body and your height and your frame and your face did the talking which is actually the total antithesis of what most teenagers feel I certainly didn't feel that I was always trying to disguise my body or I was very, very skinny or changed the shape of myself. So I'd wear five layers of thick tights under my jeans, even in summer, to make my legs look fatter. So actually, you you got a get-out-of-jail card in your teens. Well, I, I did get a get-out-of-jail card, and, and that is also because of the you know essential misogyny, structural misogyny of the society we live in, which is there's obviously several things going on there. And by the way, we could talk later on about the, the my, my lack of needing to have fashion... I've worked alongside many female presenters, and I've been astonished, by the way, by how we have had to both approach what we wear on screen. And perhaps we we'll talk about that later on. So, I do yeah. think it was it's it's you know the, the the fashion, the 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 expectations, the misogyny around young girls and women is is mind blowing. So, in your case, it was your legs need to look fatter. In another yeah. generation, it could have been they need to look thinner or longer or shorter, or whatever it might have been. For for me, yeah. there, there is a hetero normative sort of expectation that just a young man needs to be square jawed and skinny waisted and, and wide shouldered and I, yeah. I was very, and I was very lucky in that respect I did I did like the 90s were a weird time for fashion if you look back at things like you know Brad Pitt and Fight Club and stuff it was a time of like it was quite vi- my, the, my friends were wearing quite vintage clothes it was Oasis and I actually looked really stupid if you're six foot five and 105 kilos 
you actually look quite stupid in those clothes. Like you. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. Yeah, with a little pork pie hat and. Yeah, exactly. So I had a kind of twin. Pro- I had a twin thing. Is one I didn't feel I needed to be fashionable because I was lucky, as you said, I had the frame, so I could I could put some jeans on that were roughly the cut that people were wearing at that point. I could put a t-shirt on with the right word on it, it no fear, or whatever it was back in the 90s, right? <laughs> and, and I could get a buy, and that was like, and I got people teasing me, and it, it, and then I, but then I ended up wearing a lot of kind of. Uh, that was a time when it was quite unusual to be that tall. It was before the internet, right? So it's hard to clothes shop. And I ended up wearing yeah. a lot of a lot of preppy American stuff, like East Coast, Frat Boy, Ralph Lauren, because you could buy those like chinos and those shirts off the peg in the UK. And that was quite unusual. I lusted to wear unbelievably... I wanted to like Liam Gallagher, but I, I kind of didn't. Um, and I it, it actually, it was without going to extreme measures and like tailoring, I, I that was not an option for me. So my yeah. fashion became sportswear t-shirt jeans trainers and I've kind of never grown out of that in in a way and I regret that I have had a very I've had a very boring a very very boring life in fashion and and so part of it is probably my own innate conservatism part of it was this weird start I had and part of it was just, it it's it's difficult as a guy who's enormous to, yeah. to wear those fashions but so did you have a genuine interest in fashion I, I do find that quite surprising yeah, I think I did because I, obviously you, despite the kind of projecting the confidence yeah. of a, a rugby playing, deeply privileged, square-jawed 18-year-old, you're always deeply insecure deep down, right? Yeah. You you're always looking at other people. You're always thinking, God, that, the way that person's wearing that stuff is so cool. You know, I'm, I can never, I knew that I was already, like I, you know, you date a new girl and she'd take you to a gig and her friends would look at you like you were a total idiot. Like you were just a West London <laughs> total muppet. Twat. Yeah. Like a total, and I was like, oh my God, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Brixton. I'm trying, I'm going to like this, you know, I'm going to like this kind of electro night and I'm wearing, I'm fucking wearing Ralph Lauren. <laughs> you know, so I was very aware of that. Yeah. And, I'm, and then okay. historically, of course, I'm very conscious of fashion, very aware of fashion. I'm very aware that you know, we are. I maintain living in a world of like unimaginably bad male fashion compared to the 17th century or the 18th. century. I totally agree. But do you think that has the sort of misogyny always been there? Like, if you look back in history, well, have men, you know, always kind of, you know, of course, men dressed as peacocks and they took far more care with their wigs, their clothes, their lace, everything else. But do you think? Do you think men have always looked at women as objects going back through history and so the women have to portray themselves as these kind of um, bedecked bejeweled creatures I think it's I think there's like I you know my head's now full of sort of conflicting evidence of course if you look at Queen Elizabeth I the way that she paid excruciatingly close attention to how she appeared um, at the same time, of course, men did, as you say, Talleyrand, who was the French foreign minister at the Congress of Vienna, but got up hours before he had to, start to put his makeup on in the morning. So interesting. Isn't that fascinating? So, yeah. So, I, but and I, but I suspect, I do suspect the camera. I do suspect the art, the the the, the, the superficiality of of an age in which we're capturing images and sharing images is it must be even it must put even more pressure on on appearance. Yeah. Of course, it does. Um, and perfection. So but does I, and, it though? But does it? Well, no, I, if you look at also, we're presented constantly with now images of perfection. So, so people, you knew, and it, you know, even back, you know, we're talking mass media. We're not talking. I'm not even coming onto the kind of social media phenomenon. But you know, yeah, like when I was reading FHM, 
you know, all, all, all the, everyone I knew, you know, we knew every like dimple of Kylie's every bunch pair of, of right? tits you know, in, exactly. in the business. So, so I do think it. I do think it was hard, you know, even back then to like. And my, I had, when I first girlfriend, she came to my room. I still had my like kind of, I kept like my fifteen year old posters up on the wall of like FHM, like Hammer Anson. <laughs> and she eventually, after about two months, was like, you know, it's a bit weird. And I was oh. like, what? She's like, it's a bit weird being in this room and like having these kind of. And I was like, oh, I didn't really think about that. And so, uh, and so, I, but the answer through history, I, I, I think that there's probably competing elements, but I, I'm sure it has always been uh, enormous difficult. I do wonder. Yeah, and and I, you know, I've just been reading a book actually about the 12th century, and and women were constantly referred to by their looks even back then. So, yeah. you know, arrange, like they're arranging these marriages between Henry the First kids and uh, European princesses, and it kind of go. And by all accounts, she's a very beautiful, you know, a very pretty, very beautiful person as well. So I do think that I do think that's probably been. yeah. And it's kind of like if you think about, I mean, then back in the you know sort of in the, let's say Elizabethan times, you know, the amount of work and time and effort in embroidery and beading and lace making that it took to be presented at court or to go to a ball, whatever it was, was so extreme. So we don't have that today because everything's instant. But then maybe what's replaced it today is all this fucking, excuse my language, cosmetic surgery, Botox, yeah. etc. So it's not what you wear that women and young women, especially, are changing. It's that actual physical being that they are having, you know, sort of beaded, injected, changed, sewn. It's not the clothes anymore. It's that their bodies. Well, there is a there is a kind of school of thought that says the industrial revolution, right, starts two or three hundred years ago, and it was about making. It was about objects. It was about the things around us. So it's about Oh, you can flick a light bulb on, and then it's a Hoover, and then it's a car, and then it's and, yeah. and, and if you think about it, the objects, almost got closer and closer to us until and now the next industrial revolution is actually it's the it's the smart it's chip. So in, true. It's the smart chip in the brain. It's the changing your face. It's the changing your genes. You're building your muscles. So it's it's actually the, the, that that process has gone from from the things around us, the things that carry us, transport us to utility things in the home to things acts right inside us, changing our yeah. very nature. So. That is so true. And do you have, I mean, obviously, I mean, I so firmly believe that a knowledge of history helps us project what's going to, is going to happen in the future to a certain degree. But are you as much interested in the future of history in the making and what's going to become history as you are in the past? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the weird thing about people who slag off historians. They think that we're all like weirdly obsessed with just dead people. Yeah. The reason we love history is because we're totally fascinated by the future and the present, and the history is where that all comes from. Whether we like it or not, so I am. I get up every. I cannot wait. We history. I and I particularly, it's fascinating. The older historians I know, I interview these guys, men and women in their eighties and nineties. They are so fascinated by the world because they they know where this stuff comes from. Oh, I see. There's trouble in. There's trouble in. Uh, in Belarusia, you know, there's their presidents. Yeah. Well, of course there is, because if you look back 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, you can see that all building and then it comes to pass. And like, I am so yeah. fascinated to know what happens to Donald Trump in November. I can't, I mean, I'm more fascinated than anybody I know because you've studied the history <laughs> of racism in America. Yeah. You've studied the history of elections yeah. in America, of, of isolationism, of, uh, of, of, you know, presidential quirk, quirk and, and, you know, criminality. You, you cannot wait to see what, who, who the next one will be whether the future belongs to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the progressives, or whether there is this swing back towards an older, whiter, 
more slightly more racist, uh, very much more racist view of America. Like that is, a, I'm I'm obsessed by that. Mm. And do you have that on? Because you have you have an amazing podcast. You've done like 500 episodes, and then you have your um, history hit channel too. So do you discuss that as well? The future, because to me, like you said, that is. That is what it's all about. That that really cements the importance of history. I think, especially for the younger generation. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And for me, it should always be rooted. So my, it's interesting. My journey was that my mum and dad were both journalists, right? Dad was at the BBC. Yeah. Mum was at the CBC. She's Canadian correspondent. And our discussions around the breakfast table, the table was their job. Their job was like they went up to Hillsborough when 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 the disaster happened up there they went out to iraq um saudi arabia when Amazing. iraq invaded kuwait in 91 so that i was like wow the world is so fascinating these people mum and dad are involved in this but inevitably they're like well why did saddam hussein just invade kuwait well we just we acted back in the day before the internet bang books came out on the table history oh right i don't know that this this is where it comes from he's claiming it was always part of iraq was it well that's a bit controversial so for me i my journey into history was always What's going on today? How on earth do you understand what the hell is going on in America? How do you yeah. understand what's going on with Brexit without working out what has gone before? So you're absolutely yeah. right. It's always rooted in the present. And the same is true of fashion. Like I, I just find when you look back at what people have worn, what they, how they've tried to present themselves, the importance. So, for example, today we've got this weird situation because we have a more slightly more democratic society where posh people and people in power, I'm thinking of Dominic Cummings here in the UK, Dress as, dress as scruffily as they can yeah, because that's so kind of making true. a statement. Whereas in the old days, as you pointed out earlier, with the, the, the beadwork and the, 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 the sewing up and the pulling, the corsets, you, you dressed because you, you wanted to, because, because only the elite had power, you wanted to show that you were in the elite. Yeah. So, so everyone was dressing up. You know, you think of the Artful Dodger and Charles Dickens, they're all actually yeah. dressing like little gentlemen because they're trying yeah. to kind of haul themselves up. Now, you know, we, everyone dresses, David Cameron there in his jeans and his Converse, and they're all trying to do the opposite. And that tells you about yeah. power and where it lies and perception. So I find all that stuff fascinating. Oh, my God. I really – you need to do a book on this, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll help you. I, I think it's – genuinely, I think it's so fascinating, the history. Like, the history of fashion and where it's, how it's led us to where we are today – not so much kind of individual designers or anything, but the kind of, you know, the, the sort of the, – the psychological approach to, to clothes is, is so fascinating. So um, when you were growing up, you said you were a geeky little, um, well, not so little, but you, you wore T-shirts. You had your Gap T-shirt was like the one thing that kind of you took through how many years, like six years or something? I had this terrible thing. My mum, I was the oldest of my mum's kids, and I think she, she dressed me like deep into my early teens. And she, <laughs> I don't know why, but she would dress me in like, she was Canadian and there were all these like Canadian designers like Marcy Lippman and stuff. And, and there was like, and then, then there was Naf Naf. Do you remember? My mum loves bright yes. colours. Yes. So I was yes, like this I big, I was a big, unconfident, skinny kid wearing like my mum's choice of, of clothes, like deep into my, and then eventually my mates took me to Gap. I'll never forget, we went to Gap together, which at that time was like high street. And it was very, you could be quite anonymous as a teenager wearing that stuff. Cause it was just, as you yes. remember, it was like completely like a sort of, you just hide in plain sight when you're wearing that. It was right? just a universal look. It was a universal it? look it was a, and it was safe. Peak, yeah. It was super safe. And I, I could actually, uh, depressingly, this is how traumatic the early years are, man. I, I could tell you what I bought. I bought like a grey, there was a zip and it was a long sleeve top with a little zip there. And I bought what, some white t-shirts and I bought some jeans. And I, wore the, and I wore those every day for the next two years. 
and and I, I it was and I'm to the, to the decision I'm my mum and dad gave me the best start in life but the one thing I'm doing with my kids <laughs> is I'm going to help them perhaps have a bit more adventure and a bit more excitement in their wardrobe and give them a bit more freedom because uh, and it wasn't my mum's fault she didn't know it she just had no you know this wasn't yeah. something she was a busy unbelievably she was a working mum like amazingly impressive um but and but the, the but that transit I still remember I still remember that shopping trip you know that's how important that stuff yeah. is but so do you think rather than your wife you're the person to give your children um clothing advice uh no I think we talk about it as a family a lot more I mean again my role is very different to the, my dad's role yeah. a generation before and I'm sure that's true of lots and lots of parents lots of men out mm. there still we haven't come far enough but we are mm. <laughs> we are a, a long way a long way yeah a long way uh and so I definitely, I think, you know, the. Op- I mean, if anything, we, I love, yeah, we, we like going shopping as a family, and I love, I love, and also the internet is amazing. So I, we, we, we choose yeah. things together on the net, and we, we find fun things to wear as a family. They're still young enough; they quite like novelty things. So they, they're yet. How to old get- are they? My kids are eight, five, and four. Um, oh, and, okay. Yeah, so we have good fun yeah. with that. I mean, the you know, the I'm just kind of aware that the opposite. I just don't want to become. I don't want to go too far the other way and turn them into little kind of clothes for like to, like go, yeah. you know, go crazy and have wardrobe. I think it's just letting them just going with the flow. I mean, you just got to go with. It. I mean, my youngest daughter, she would wear. I remember once we were going up to London, and she arrived at. She was only about six. She arrived downstairs. She'd wrapped her face, her entire face, in cling film with two little holes for her nose, straws coming out, and a little mouth, a cowboy hat, patchwork um, skirt, kind of little, I call Christy Brown. Do you remember um, um, Daniel Day-Lewis, my left foot? I don't know, he always wore these little kind of tank tops. Patchwork skirt, uh, jodhpurs, and uh, gold tap shoes. And I let her, I took her up to London right there. Amazing. And it's just gone from there. Just let them do what the fuck they want. It's so wonderful when they express themselves through clothes. I just, you know, we went to the Natural History Museum once. And just as we were leaving the house, my little daughter, about five or six, she just put a pair of those lovely butterfly wings, those sparkly butterfly wings on her back. She just went, all right, hang on. We're going. We're going to, down to go to the museum. <laughs> yeah. I'll just wait. So I just need to get there. I was got. I was got keys. Great. Right. You know. Yeah. Oyster card. And then she. She was just like, oh, hang on. Strap them on and just walk around London all day. And that. And I thought, Brilliant. what creative and wonderful. And it's been yeah. really nice as parents, not sort of trying to stop stop yourself from saying those little tiny things that can have such a big impact and and exactly. Crush, but you know, are so um, you're so aware, Dan. You're so aware that. It's. I'm so impressed because it's. It is. You know, having looking back for all the women I've worked with, it can be one comment, one comment like, you know, mm, you know, your bum's on showing that. Whatever it is that will crush a woman for the rest of her life. So, you're in. And it is. It's like you don't want it to be too much of a minefield. But it is. Um, you know, it's not a question of stepping on eggshells. But it's. Yeah, it's just sort of not paying too much attention to it, I guess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I know. It is scary. Well, that's out parenting, and that's across the board, right? It's, it could be not just yeah. fashion. It's all sorts of things. You just don't, you yeah. don't want to. But, of course, you will, yeah. we will do because that's the nature of it. But it will be a comment that you yeah. just don't even remember. But I know. And so, which looking back in history, which um, which era, or do you think was um, had the most interesting or amazing fashion? My spirit, my spirit animal, or whatever the hell the expression is. So, so you know, you know, some people just look amazing. That they get united with the fashion of a certain era, and they just you're just like holy, holy shit! You just stepped out of a. And there was this wonderful friend of mine at university called Kate, and she. Uh, just realized that she was like 1920s you know that incredible she had the body she had the look you know it's odd to say but she had the kind of even her skin that was from that yeah period. yeah because she didn't tan Very for example pale. so she's not yeah exactly yeah. so so usually she's like oh god it's so embarrassing i don't tan. instead but she just put on the kind of amazing you know the head with the little with the little jeweled things that come down off yeah the, you know, i don't know what they're called and and she even could dance brilliantly and and she was like she just wore it all the time because she realized it really worked for her. And so I, 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 and I discovered that I, um, I'm just, you know, uh, 18th century naval officer, like pirate captain. I mean, that's just my thing. Okay. And to the extent that whenever I go to a fancy dress party, I just wear that no matter what the dress code is. Okay. Because I know that, that, that I, it's just what I'm meant, the massive billowy shirts with the ruffle up the front. Yeah. The, um, the funny trousers that come quite high, uh, like, the, but are very tight because obviously they're kind of very tight on the thigh and the bum and then and then the tailed coat you know the the, the sort of the tail coat the yeah tail coat with the yeah exactly and then the waistcoat that crushes it all in and it, and it just suits me it just suits me and I love it and I wear it all the time but is that but do you think that was I mean when I don't know if you you know the answer to this but in in which do you think was a sort of pivotal time in fashion in history where well, I don't know I mean I think a lot of it like today was there a, the equivalent of the industrial revolution a kind of fashion revolution wow that's very interesting isn't it I, I don't know the answer that I suspect it's got to do like with our culinary revolution and indeed the industrial revolution is going out around the world and finding incredible stuff that you can suddenly wear so a great example is the French French explorers, imperialists, went to Canada, and Canada was t- freezing cold, nothing much there. Never, no one particularly liked it, but it was amazing for beavers. And they just committed a sort of genocide on the beaver population. Every single person in Europe wore beaver skin, hats, uh, scarf, like things around the neck. And it was just this astonishing fashion uh, explosion. And so I do think that... I think that again, it was around about you know the industrial. It's it's, around, it's discovering new dyes, new materials. Yeah. Uh, just as we were discovering things like pepper and nutmeg, you you the, the, your range of things that you were able, the materials, discovering the the, the extraordinary world class textile industry in Bengal that the British then destroyed. Yeah. But before they destroyed it, uh, they imported tons of those. And I've been to the V&A and made programs with the experts there, and they show you the muslins and the silks and everything. Uh, and the light cottons, and so I do think it's probably once once you're able to access the glo- global talent, global uh, global um, raw materials, 
you're, you're, you're obviously your your dress. Can that's become... when it, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's so true. And so again, like you know, you try you travelled not in search of silks and muslins, but um, a lot. So have you have is there, do you have a comfort blanket that you take with you everywhere? Is the sign needn't be a piece of clothing, something that you cherished that always comes with you well do you know what like this is the thing about social media i used to take this like sort of silly old indiana jones hat because i had this kind of i had this like cosplay um anyone anyone who met look anyone who makes history programs thinks they're indiana jones and anyone who tells you that that's not true is lying that is just uh, from senior academics to complete jokers (laughs) like me who have no business being there right and I had a little Indiana Jones hat, like everybody else. And I loved it. I took it everywhere. And then Twitter came along and I watched, I watched foolishly check the Twitter feed uh, and on what people were saying about the programme. And loads of people just said, God, that hat's so pathetic. What a total loser. And I never wore it again. <laughs> I never wore it again. No, and that's social no. media for you, man. And it, you know, they may have been representative. They may have not. But I did think, you know what? It is quite, it is quite weird. It's quite affected that I'm doing that. So I used to carry my little beloved hat, my wide-brimmed hat all around the world with me. So um, comfort blanket, yeah, I think that's probably probably it. Probably it, really. Yeah, I, I, I don't clothes wise. I now try and pack extremely light. I mean, I love going hand luggage only if I can, which is I agree. Oh, mm-hmm. it's such a joy, isn't it? Um, and you're so free, and particularly also, especially if you're going to weird places, it's just so nice knowing you're not really separated from your luggage. It's just such a nice feeling. Yeah. So, um, but again, I'm very, I'm very privileged. I can do that. I mean, as I said earlier, working, I've worked with people like Anita Rani and, and the effort that she is expected to go to uh, is, is actually just, frankly, ridiculous. You know, and, yeah. and you're making, these are not studio, studio shot shows in London where you've got, you know, lots of support. You've got cabs. These, these are shows on location in like the Valley of the Kings or, or yeah. in, in, in Mumbai, you know, so. It, these are, it's it's really difficult to bring. But does she so someone like that? So Nita, would would she put that pressure on herself, or was she expected by the by the production to have the kind of hair and the makeup? Did that travel with her? It's a really interesting point because there's people like Kate Humble who have who have really bravely and brilliantly just refused to play the game, and it hasn't affected their career. Well, I mean, yeah. she's fantastically popular and successful. Yeah. So, I, you know, there may have been other bits of she may have. For, foregone the chance of presenting Strictly Come Dancing or whatever but she but, you know it doesn't seem to affect her career enormously and she's but but with other presenters I've worked with that just I, I think there's they feel I, I don't know I don't know where that pressure comes from to be absolutely honest with you whether it's coming from them from the outside from production but I do all I know is that I've turned up looking like a goddamn scarecrow on production many yeah. times and rarely if ever have anyone mentioned anything I think it's priced in with men they go, oh, look, Dan looks like he slept in a hedge. Where does the scarecrow look come from? Is that a genuine, a genuine, I just couldn't give a flying? Or is it you cut laziness? Is it, or is it, I don't really know what I'm doing? Uh, a bit of everything, genuinely. That It's cock up rather than conspiracy. So, so say, okay. say I'm somewhere and it's really windy and dusty and deserty. I, you probably just give up because it's too crazy. And you go, why didn't I have a haircut before I came? Because it's now just blowing. If I look like an idiot, and you almost just go, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna have to. We're just gonna have to go with what we got here. And then, especially when I was younger, but I think it was sort of laziness, and I, I don't care because, again, as I said earlier, you, you hope you're just gonna ride on your the essential, you know, the essential yeah. architecture, the bare bones, yeah, the bare yeah. bones of it will get you through the day. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but a lot of it is like I don't know. I don't know really. I don't know what. I don't know what to wear. 
I don't know what to wear on the television. And I still don't really. Um, I think I, I don't, do you wear, do you wear that kind of, you know, it, 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 it's it suits, luckily, I know I hate suits, so they're gone in terms of location filming. They've been replaced by a kind of weird trouser and bright colored, block colored shirt. Like so you can't have, it's difficult that cameramen or camera operators complain about strobing and things. So you go, oh, I don't want yeah. to risk it. I'm just going to wear a pale blue shirt. Yeah. And then, but then that just is savage as well. So you just go, okay, I'm going to rock the T-shirt. I, I get, I have received complaints. Funnily enough, the only complaints I've, so I've received lots of complaints, but I've received quite, the, one of the, some of the complaints I get a bit worried about are, I get Second World War veterans going, you were walking on battlefields talking about the battles and where we fought and you were wearing T-shirt and jeans and we felt that was a little yeah. bit disrespectful. So that's, I have to, you know, that's really upset me. That I've got to be mindful yeah. of that. Um in in the winter, funnily enough, the weather actually helps because the weather you you're allowed to just zip it all up under the old the jacket or the under the you know something to protect you from the rain. Or the, but it's tough in the summer because then you've got the options, and it's I I don't know I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, but I I guess I mean I don't really know what the answer is either. I think it's I think when you're presenting on television very much, and especially with someone like you, who it's more about what you're it's much more about what you're saying what you're delivering than it is how you're, you look it's sort of got to come from you it's got to come from and and it's I kind of feel stupid saying this to you because um but I'm pleased you find you know I'm glad you find clothing kind of interesting and worrisome but it's sort of got to come from you and I guess it's I don't know it's just sort of jacket and jeans which is so boring but it's it is boring for men I don't think it really, it is, you have to play, you know, be respectful for the place you're in, but does it really, really matter? Yeah, well, well, I agree. I, so I think the problem, because it is it is boring for men. <laughs> then it's it hard, ma- that makes it harder for you guys than it is for women. And it reduces your motivation, I think, as well. You know, I yeah. would love to dress like Brandon Flowers. I would love to dress like Brandon Flowers on, oh, on the main wouldn't stage. Wouldn't we all? Oh, I mean, I'm just I would love to guys. dress Brandon Flowers. I would love to be Brandon Flowers, frankly. Yeah, me but, too. But the point is, I, I don't think that would work. And I think it would detract. As you're saying, given that I'm there, given that I'm meant to be there, it's not meant to be about me. I'm, I'm, I'm going, look, this is where the First World War, the first shots, the First World War fired in Belgium at this point. Um... Uh, this is, and then to to be dressed like Brandon Flowers in that context just feels kind of strange, and it and it's also it is impractical because it's, yeah. the great thing about TV is you know very well is is that some days some days I haven't perhaps I haven't been quite as assiduous reading the call sheet and, and you know as I should have been, but particularly you know when when in the old days when I used to work a lot before I had kids. You, you'd kind of pack and you'd wouldn't you'd have forgotten that actually yeah. it was in the morning you're going to be in Jane Austen's house talking about Jane Austen and the afternoon yeah. they'd put, put you down a coal mine and crawl through yeah. some old tin workings because of yeah. something occurred and you're like oh shit so you actually do have to go I I need to, and I have had times when I've made a bit of an effort and you're like a total idiot because you then sort of end up you know in your your kind of sports jacket you're, you're wading yeah. through the mud and you're like what am I doing here so so I do I, I, I've often retreated to a place of safety, and and that is very boring. And everyone goes, "Look at that tall, boring," you know. Yeah, but who do you know what Dan? Who who cares? Really, I think you know the people who notice that aren't watching your programs properly. I think that's I think that's well, I think that's true. I think that's true. You know, yeah. so and they're not listening to what to what you're saying. But I think the kind of you know there is. How old are you now? Like in I'm your forty-one. 
Are you 41? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you are getting on a bit, aren't you? Knocking on, knocking I on. I, <laughs> I thought you were a bit younger. But I think that, because my husband, actually you remind me of my husband a bit. Him in just a t-shirt, he looks like, yeah, he looks like a ram dressed as lamb. And, and that can happen for men too. So for him, and he, he's like you, he doesn't, he doesn't care what he wears. He's like, everything's got holes and it's pretty dirty most of the time um but i guess it's just you know it is it is the shirt but not the bright colored block shirt that's a little bit too tight and and um the tight trousers and a brand and flowers i guess i guess that's that's what you do is you find someone or somewhere to make it easier because you don't have the time or the inclination really you need to find i tell you a really great place for you to look so dan have you got a pen Okay, so write this down. This is a really good site where I think you will find your the new Dan Snow look. Ooh. And it's called A Day's March. Ah. Do you know it? Do you know it? No, but it sounds cool. That's where you go. That's where you go. They do really great. It's kind of quite utilitarian, but smart. It's kind of utility smart, a bit like Carhartt or something like that, but more, more appropriate for a 41-year-old. Used to love Carhartt. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. Do you know what? A day's march, that's very cool. I mean, what I have slightly moved into is like a, a long, like a cashmere, like a tight ish, but like a cashmere jumper, like a long sleeve cashmere. And mm-hmm. I quite like those. What, V neck or zip up or what? Um, no, I've actually just a round neck. I often, I've been wearing okay. it. So it's, it feels like a, for whatever reason, it just feels like it's a, a just got, I've gone, you go up a level from a t shirt. Like, yeah, but you don't have to go up to collar. Like you know, sometimes I yeah. still feel when you're outdoors and you're filming. For some reason, putting a collar, you're just like, is that really going to be a you know? So, um, but I will check out a day's march. That's very cool. Yeah, check it out. All right, my love. Now, have you ever had a wardrobe malfunction? Um. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I was in the. Um. I was in. Actually, I was in Egypt, and we were filming in these amazing Egyptian. Uh, you know the the ruins, the uh, you know the ancient Egyptian ruins are actually just the best in the world. They're just mm. fantastic. And I stepped up a big, I climbed onto a big limestone block uh, in the um, I think it was in the Ramesseum just outside of Luxor, uh, and the entire seat of my trouser ripped out. Like I was wearing a pair of Hugo Boss jeans, and the whole thing. I've never. It was kind of like a comedy rip. I've never even seen one before or since. <laughs> It just just ripped from hip to hip right along my bum, what? and then hung down like a flap. I know, <laughs> like really a cesarean. It, it was like a cesarean. It was it was the most bizarre. <laughs> like it didn't just rip on across the back back of one thigh. It just ripped right across my bum from side to side. And I had to go around the rest of the day oh with this God. giant cat flap over my ass. It was that's savage. classic. That's fantastic. And then your birthday suit, Dan, what would you... Okay, this is, might be quite difficult for you. We might have to sort this one out. But if you're, what's your kind of go-to outfit that makes you feel you're going somewhere and you want to feel confident, look, know you look good, what would it be? Uh, 18th, 18th, century naval, 18th century naval captain, almost certainly. Oh, but, my okay. Um, no, Okay, so uh, contemporary, <laughs> if I had to look good, um, I think uh, I've got a pair of quite nice... Um, unusually for me, fitted uh, trousers. I guess you call. Would you call them slacks? I guess so. Like a, mm-hmm. a like a he- quite a heavy a tailored pocket. trouser. A, a tailored trouser. I mean, this how pathetic men's fashion is. That's what we're talking about. I mean, that's you know, 
This is the choice, guys. A track pant or a tailored trouser. Take yeah. one. Well done. Yeah. Um, so I, I, and a tailored trouser. And then, and then again. And then I think if I was going out a shirt, again, a shirt that fits me, because I, 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 my body shape is very weird. So I've got 34-inch waist, but I've got quite wide um, shoulders and things. So I just can't buy – and I'm very tall, so I cannot buy shirts off the peg. Yeah. So I have, I, have one, I have one or two tailored shirts. And, I, and then you, a tailored shirt, which – so for me, it's such a weird thing. The, the, the feeling of being tucked in, a, a shirt or a, a top tucked into your trousers is very rare for me. It's very odd. So I feel – but it, I guess maybe it makes me feel quite young and quite safe because that's what, you know, when you're a kid, you get yourself tucked in, you know. So yeah. and so if you're going somewhere, um, those trousers, a, a, lot, a shirt that's long enough to tuck it in really nicely and makes me feel snug around the waist. And then a, and then a, a cool belt. I bought a, a ridiculous belt in America a few years back, a funny belt buckle. Uh, and that's probably my that's probably my my go to go to. Right. OK, Dan, are you listening? Yep. So I've never listened to your podcast. Which one do you think I should start with? Because you've done 500. Well, uh, you could listen to, I'm trying to think now what might be interesting for this audience. I've, I did one on, on um, Queen Elizabeth uh, and her fashion and her the way she ruled with the very brilliant historian Helen Caster. Um, mm-hmm. And so that would be, uh, you know, how her, how her, uh, her, her body, her profile, her, uh, what she had around her and on her body was integral to her leadership style. Um, that might be super interesting. Um, the whether women have more sex under communism was one that was a, a smash hit from last year. Brilliant, so brilliant. With an American academic, she was brilliant talking okay. about whether capitalism makes us um, more unequal and therefore we have less sex with each other. Mm. Okay, and you know, and also, have you got any? This is kind of by the by. Have you got any good book recommendations? Because I just read, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's such a good book about the race to. Um, Conquer the Himalayas. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. read that during the Second World War. Yep, I saw that was out. Have you read that? Um, that was. Yeah, it's no, I, I did see that. Uh, was out. I amazing! Read that it's amazing. Extraordinary stories, aren't they? So Dan. Yes. Dan Bedpan. Um, I'm just holding my phone up to get better Wi-Fi. So Dan, is there anyone in history who stands out sartorially for you? Well, obviously, there's extraordinary rulers and influential people. Like the Duchess of Devonshire in the UK, who who had a yeah. mannequin in a sealed carriage brought to her from Paris every season for the fashions. But I think so. Speaking of France, I'm always obsessed by just for the French Revolution, fashion got pretty larry, and women used to have their hairs do- hair done with um, ships. They they actually had ship. You go into a party, and women would have a ship, a frigate in their hair because the frigate that had been sent by France to help George Washington during the American Revolutionary Wars. And that's an amazing fashion that kind of shows that the, the, you, you demonstrate your politics through your fashion and took hours, apparently, to prepare. And then and you walk into a party, it would look like ships sailing on the, a sea of heads. Amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, really cool. That makes, that makes a ship in a bottle look really inadequate. Totally inadequate. And then Marie Antoinette famously spent a lot of money on clothes, and uh, and mm. and her, but her reputation perhaps slightly unfairly. She said they they said she got plastered the walls of her rooms with with diamonds and gold, but she did spend a lot of cash on clothes. So yeah. she is an extravagant dresser, but one who paid for it with her life. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, listen. It really has been. It's been fascinating. It's been enlightening. It's been surprising. Actually, really surprising. You're you're not the person I expected you to be, and you're fantastic. So thank you so much for taking time. Thank you for having me. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.